Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, this is Brian Alvarez, and this is today's edition of the Wrestling Observer Daily Podcast on the 8Side Network. Are you ready? Are you ready? Let's get it on. How's it going, everybody? Brian Alvarez here on Wrestling Observer Live. We are here every day, Monday through Friday, New Pacific, 3 Eastern, Sunday, 3 Pacific, 6 Eastern. A lot of news to talk about here today on the program. It is Thursday. You know what that means? Last night, AEW Dynamite. And a lot of news coming out of that Dynamite show last night. Not the least of which was the debut of... Oreo the Orca's favorite wrestler, Dan Housen, debuted in the main event. And uh, we'll talk about that here today and a lot of other news coming out of the Dynamite show. And there was a lot of news. We've got the announcement that next week they are finally going to do the match. It is MJF versus CM Punk, and it is taking place in Chicago. I'm not sure exactly how they... uh, how they uh, determined what they were going to do with this feud. But uh, it was kind of interesting because CM Punk did an interview uh, about a week ago, and he said that the match with MJF he thought was going to take place in the one place that MJF would not want the match to take place in. So I figured they would shoot some sort of angle where MJF was forced to wrestle CM Punk in Chicago. And instead what happened was he challenged him. MJF offered to wrestle CM Punk in Chicago next week. So that's where the match is going to take place. And uh, unlike uh, some other promotions, not going to be bait and switch. I don't know what they're going to do, but they're going to do the match. And then, uh, I mean, I presume they're going to do the match. I suppose they could they could pull a WWE, but I wouldn't expect it. But anyway, that's where the match is going to take place. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see where they go, because my presumption would be that they're going to rematch on the pay-per-view, which is taking place in early March. Of course, it is late January, so we've got quite a ways to go to uh, to build that up after this first match here. But we'll talk about that, everything else that happened on the Dynamite Show. Maria Kanellis is going to join us in the final segment of the show, talking a Ring of Honor women's documentary. A lot more after the break, Observer Live. Back in the show, Brian Alvarez here, Wrestling Observer Alive. Presumably Mike Sempervivi joining us here in a while. Resetting its box, he said. I don't know why, because uh, connection issues were on my end. But hey, I handle it. So listen, we got a lot to get into here today. And before we go into AEW last night, just a couple of news notes here. First off, Ring of Honor has got a documentary on the women's division that is going to be airing, I believe, tonight. And Maria Canellis, who is uh, very hands-on with the women's division, is going to be on the show in the final segment to talk about that and so much more. So that's the plan for later on this afternoon. Roman Reigns spoke to Sports Illustrated, 
regarding his recent battle with COVID-19 that kept him off the day one pay-per-view earlier this year. For those that uh, don't recall, they uh, announced like the day before the show, Roman Reigns contracted COVID. He will not be on the show. And uh, then they were already making light of his COVID by Raw on Monday. And then he was uh, back in action by Friday. So it was a very, very quick turnaround. And so the presumption was, man, must have been a very, very mild case. But in fact, not as mild as I thought. Roman Reigns said, for me, obviously, in comparison to some of the worst scenarios that are out there and that we've seen through the pandemic, it was not bad. For me, it was mainly a pretty good sinus infection, a bronchitis cough, a lot of chest tightness. I still feel that, actually. While I'm doing my conditioning, because we don't wrestle quite as much and we're doing a lot of six-man tags, I don't have singles matches as much as I used to, so I have to continue to really push the conditioning on my own. And I've noted in the past couple of weeks that when I really blow myself up on the bike or running or whatever I'm doing, I feel that tightness and a little bit of wheezing. So it's definitely something serious. As someone who was vaccinated and boosted, it still got to me. I still feel the effects. And while they were not as severe as they can be for some, it did hang around and linger for a while. So obviously this coming Saturday, Roman Reigns has a singles match at the Royal Rumble. So it'll be interesting to see what he does in that match with Seth Rollins. If they do the normal, you know, 20, 23-minute match, boom, 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 boom. If they slow it down a little, what shape he's going to be in, but it got him. But uh, he has uh, largely recovered, but not fully. And he also said today, I don't know if you guys are aware of this or not, but uh, Bully Ray, do I have to mention this? Bully Ray said that uh, John Moxley should have apologized to the fans for going to rehab and cleaning up his life. Roman Reigns said former Shield teammate John Moxley does not owe an apology for stepping away to enter alcohol rehab. He was interviewed prior to the Rumble, asked his take on the comments, and he said, I think in this day and age, especially with how much awareness there is for mental health and taking care of yourself and prioritizing you, I don't think he owes anybody an apology. I think the fact that he was responsible enough to do what needed to be done and also not shy away from it to help other people, because you rarely talk about these people that are 100% inspired and motivated by what Moxley did, and having that brutal honesty with himself and everyone for that matter, I don't think he owes anybody an apology. You know... I don't want to dignify too much of what Bully Ray said, but I, 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 I've noticed that, like, the Eric Bischoffs and such, you know, you, you start getting all negative about AEW, and all of a sudden they're calling you to be on Raw. And so, you know, maybe Bully Ray's just an idiot. I mean, that seems to be the most likely scenario. But, you know, I was thinking, uh, maybe this is a way to try to get back into uh, to WWE by going and saying something really stupid. But uh, as it turns out, like, everybody thought he was stupid. So they thought he was stupid in AEW, that he was stupid in WWE, and uh, apparently a lot of listeners thought he was stupid as well. So congratulations, you were stupid, and I don't think you're getting a job out of it. So there you go. You there, Mike? No, he's not. He's got no audio. How about on that channel? Nothing? Let me guess. The headphones aren't plugged in. Let's try this now. Is that better? Possibly, maybe? It's always good to plug in the mic. 
No, they had nothing to do with the mic. It had a problem to do with well, the whole box I being mean, we, we, be reset. We heard you plug it this, in, and then you this, could, we could hear you. So, oh, will I mean, you stop? You're the same person who thought he saw a whole blizzard take place at Filthy Tom's house this past Monday on I video, did. Did so. you watch the show? It was clearly a blizzard. <laughs> hey, look. Whatever took place on that show, whatever was said on that show, no matter how ridiculous it was, it was still more intelligent than Bully Ray doing one of these stupid hot takes so people listen to his show by saying something so controversial. It wasn't controversial. It wasn't brave. It wasn't smart. It was just stupid. It was ignorant. The guy's going to fix his life. The guy just had a child. The guy's got a young marriage. The guy's got a lot of future left ahead of him. And he went and he fixed what needed to be fixed. And now it's one step on a lifetime of keeping it that way. Like, that's the forgotten about part for an idiot like Bully Ray here. Like, this is forever. This is a battle this guy's got to fight every single second of every single day of every single year of his life. Like, it's just it was just so ignorant and stupid, and it blew up in his face, and it, it just completely engulfed him in the flames. And unfortunately, it didn't burn him completely in his career to death, because with these types of stupid hot takes, if this is what you're doing, if this is what this show is about for him, and I can't believe it because I know his co-host is a good guy and a smart guy, but for Bully Ray to do and say something like that, for to me, no other reason except to get ratings, because if you really believe this, with the amount of bodies from your generation that had to be put in the ground, then you're just a really ignorant, dumb son of a bitch. You really, really are. Thursday night's episode of NXT, 593,000 viewers on the USA Network, up 1% from last week, lowest audience, second lowest audience for the show since December, 41st on cable, 0.14 rating. Hey, that's at least good. When you got a point eleven last week and now you got a point one four, great work. So they've moved up a little bit there. Biggest increase with women eighteen to forty nine, uh, up eighty three point three percent. I guess you can celebrate that until you think about what it must have been the week prior. And uh, there you go. That's the NXT numbers. We'll get the uh, AEW numbers tomorrow. The interesting numbers for AEW are next week. Why? Well, because next week. It is going to be MJF, MJF versus CM Punk in Chicago, Illinois. And the tickets for Chicago have uh, not been flying off the shelves, not doing poorly, but, I mean, they've run Chicago so many times that uh, there are many tickets available. So it's going to be interesting to find out between now and next Wednesday how many tickets they sell and also how this match does in the ratings. Because this despicable bloke, MJF, loves to brag that he's the most watched wrestler in AEW. And uh, for the most part, he is. And uh, there's absolutely no reason that this sh- this uh, match, MJF and CM Punk, for free on television with months of build, should not do a, a very, very big number. Are they going to put it on first and capitalize on the lead-in? Are they going to see if they can put it on last and uh, see how many uh, viewers they can maintain over the two-hour period? What's the final number going to be? How is this going to play into the Wardlow storyline, the next pay-per-view? We shall find out finally in a week. What would you do? Or would you wait and just see what these numbers are going to be like today, see what the lead-in is going to be, and then make that decision? 
you know, your to me, your gut because of history says, yeah, this is a main event match that people are going to stick around for, without a question. But you also know as it gets closer to eleven o'clock, you do lose more and more people. It's just natural; it's going to be that way. So, what do you go ahead and do? To me. I would go ahead and start with it. You know, I think you got enough there. You go ahead and start. You try to garner as much as you can, and you try to get those people held for as long as you can throughout the show. But I, I would say right now, not knowing what last night's numbers were going to be, I definitely would start the show with it. Well, here's the issue with starting the show with it, if you would like to call it an issue. If you're going to open the show with CM Punk and MJF, then you've got to have a hot main event. And all they have announced for next week is CM Punk versus MJF and House of Black versus Death Triangle. So the question is, do you feel that House of Black versus Death Triangle is a strong enough match to main event Dynamite if you're going to open with CM Punk and MJF? If you think that, yes, people are going to want to see that match, you've got Malachi in there, you've got Pac in there, they've been doing that feud, building it up for a while, then fine, open with CM Punk and MJF. Otherwise, you got to switch them around. Or they may add another match, which we're unaware of at this point. Back in a moment, Observer Live. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Back in the show, Brian Alvarez here, Wrestling Observer Live. I'm Mike Sempervivi, also of WrestlingObserver.com. Well, let's talk about Dynamite. So it opened with an awesome match, Cody Rhodes and Sammy Guevara. And uh, they had a great, great ladder match. You know what I liked about it, too, was uh, they wrestled a lot in it. It was a wrestling match with a ladder. And, uh, you know, some of these ladder matches that you see... There's like 5,000 spots, 5,000 stunts. And when the match is over, it's like, name one of them. And you think about it, you're like, oh, yeah, I remember that one. And then, but there's like so many that you can't even remember off the top of your head. Not this one. There were three. One of them was a delayed, not just a superplex off like the third rung from the top of a tall ladder. A delayed superplex off the top of the ladder. There was a uh, double... I can't call it a springboard because there's no spring, but a double jump cutter from one ladder to another by Sammy Guevara, which was awesome. And then the old Jeff Hardy sent on off the top of a very tall ladder onto a dude on a ladder bridge. The ladder bridge decided to go into business for itself and not break. It almost killed both guys. Those were like the three big spots in the match. It gave you time to breathe in the middle of these crazy spots. You didn't forget them. And at the end... Sammy whacked him in the head with the belts, knocked him off the ladder, climbed up. He is the unified North American champion. Man, this match was great. Great opener. I'm glad you mentioned how well-paced it was because it really was great, and it was well-paced. And I think everybody has seen the gif now of that double jump from Sammy going over the ladder and dropping that cutter on Cody, which Cody... 
about it was perfect. I don't know if you do that nine more times if you're able to get it that perfect and get the aesthetic that right. My God, they did. And everybody's going to talk about that. But in some ways, that delayed vertical suplex by Cody on the Sammy was almost more impressive. I would say certainly as impressive and a tragedy averted, too, because as Sammy is getting suplexed over, they have that, that hanger holding those belts and you could hear it in Tony's voice. I don't know if he saw it or if he was just selling it, but I think he saw it where Sammy is on the top. They're at the top of that ladder, and they're going back. And Sammy's foot could have gotten caught in that hangar. He honestly could have. Thankfully, it didn't. It was a spectacular visual. There were several of them, like Brian mentioned, the the whole deal with the the, the back, uh, you know, Sammy's back on, that, on the uh, ladder on Cody and the way he bent. He is certainly going to be sitting in a tub of ice this morning, but a huge success for both guys. What a way to kick off the show. What a way to kick off Sammy's second title reign as well. We had Warlow winning a two-on-one handicap match massively over in his hometown. We had the Inner Circle beating Daniel Garcia in 2.0. The story of the match was Santana Ortiz were upset at Jericho. They refused to tag him in. They're basically doing a two-on-three match. At the end of the match, Jericho's all frustrated. He just leaves ringside. Uh, he leaves the uh, apron. But he's on the floor, and so he manages to give the back elbow to Matt Lee, and then Matt Lee ends up getting pinned, and then Jericho on the ramp stares down Santana and Ortiz. The story is, hey, you guys thought you could do this without me. I'm the one that won the match. So the dissension between these three continues. They announced Lance Archer and Hangman Page will do a Texas death match in two weeks. We have Jurassic Express and the Hardy family office. Uh, it'll be private party getting a championship match on Rampage. We won't do any spoilers today, but that's going to be one of the big matches on the show. Great segment with CM Punk and MJF. All you nerds that cried about how dare I criticize the stuff they'd done with Wardlow and CM Punk. Well, they talked their way back into it. And uh, the big news is they are going to do the match next week in Chicago. It is CM Punk versus MJF, and they had a fantastic, fantastic... Did I mention the word fantastic? You know what it was? It was stupendous! A talking segment they had back and forth, and uh, next week, the first match, I presume the first of many. Can you rewind back for a second? Is there anything I may have missed on Rampage or anything like that where Lance Archer challenged Hangman Page to a Texas death match? No, he challenged him on this show. I know. That's what just gets me is they actually had a video package ready and ready to go. And it's like, why would the hangman actually accept this other than he's a champion? But he's I just. A champion. That's why. The way it was done in the video where it's like, did he say Texas Deathmatch? And I know that's part of the gimmick, but it's like, I, I don't know. It kind of felt like a hat on a hat for no reason because it's like, just, just have the match. Lance Archer's been killing people. They've been going at each other. I didn't think it was necessary. I mean, making I'll it no why DQ it was would have been fine. But, I mean, to me, it's like you, you gimmicked it up kind of no. extra for I'll tell you why, why is that no for I'll tell this you blood why. feud, the blood feud between because uh, Archer and Paige. It's simple. <laughs> it's simple, okay? Why was I upset about when uh, Lance Archer laid out uh, Hangman on the first week and then Hangman sent him packing on week two? Why was I upset about that? Do you remember? Not enough heat on Archer? Because Archer needs all the help he can get because no one in their right mind, no one. You want to do a poll? 
Don't do it on my Twitter. But, how, got a lot but, of how, dumb but I know where you're going with because that. Because Lance's Texas specialty death match because it's his match is his the specialty for Lance Archer is the Texas Death Match. So literally, like maybe five fans now will think, oh, it's a specialty, so he can beat Hangman if it's a Texas Death Match. You don't do a Texas Death Match. Like, zero. There's nobody that thinks that this guy's going to beat the hangman. Well, that, I don't think, do is the why match. they did it. I know, and I don't want to say, you know, and I shouldn't have said don't do the match right there, but I, you need to do then a better job of building that match. I, I don't know. To me, it's a jump start that is unnecessary because you might need that Texas death match, you know, down the line. You might want to have Archer and somebody else. You might want to have a gimmick match for the world title that's built up and meant more. I mean, to me... To me, it's just a waste of doing something that didn't need to be done when the result is probably not in doubt anyway. But that's, again, those are just nits being picked. So after the uh, MGF Wardlow segment, or MGF and uh, Punk segment, MGF sends his goons down to the ring, and they beat up CM Punk, and he commands Wardlow to powerbomb him onto the chair. So MGF's plan is, yes, I'm going to take this match in Chicago next week, but I made sure that my guys badly injured him going into the match. Acclaim called out John Moxley. Anthony Bowens will face Moxley on Friday. No spoilers on this show. Layla Hirsch beat Red Velvet. I think the less said about this match, the better. It was quite not good. Preposterously booked. Poorly Um, wrestled. And uh, Layla Hirsch won, and then it looks like they're going to Layla Hirsch and uh, Chris Statlander. Uh, Britt Baker did a promo, which uh, was just, there were so many weird things about this promo. So literally, the whole promo, she's a champion, and we don't know who her next challenger is going to be. They did the whole promo, and never once, she never called anyone out, nor did anyone come out and, like, challenge or anything like that. The whole promo was just her putting herself over and burying Cleveland. The problem was she was blaming or she, uh, first off, these fans, like they're heckling her, but then she goes D and they all cheer DMD. And then, you know, she's bearing Cleveland. They boo her. And then she talks about how she's the greatest and they go, yeah, you are the greatest. And they cheer. Then she's trying to get heat by bearing this bloke named Baker Mayfield. Cause her last name is Baker. And she's talking about how she's the better Baker, um, which has to be, you know, Anyway, so I've been told she, she is. Though. I don't know anything about uh, football, but I was told by a bunch of people. They they texted me this morning. They go, you know, a lot of people in Cleveland actually don't like Baker Mayfield. So oh. she's burying him, and now they're cheering her again. So it's just up and down this whole promo, These and then it was over. Getting, they ain't getting Russell Wilson. Stop that. Be happy with what you got. So uh, Rampage Friday. No spoilers. John Moxley no spoilers. versus Anthony Bowens. <laughs> FTR versus Lee Johnson and Brock Anderson. Jade Cargill versus Julia Hart. And Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus versus Private Party for the title. Sensing a trend here. Just sensing one. I don't People know. People get so mad at the idea of hearing spoilers for Rampage, and it's like, do you turn your own brain off for three days? Do you not allow yourself to think of the card before the show airs? Anyway. Main event was an unsanctioned lights out match. Orange Cassidy, uh, Orange Cassidy and Adam Cole. Cassidy, <laughs> more cash. Baby. He's got a lot of money after his win over Adam Cole in this unsanctioned match. And uh, I'll talk more about this tonight. But uh, I didn't like the finish. Way too goofy for me. And what's funny is, you ever listen to Lance on this yeah, show? I have Lance Storm. Yeah. 
You know, I don't like to put Lance over because he gets a big old head. But what I like about Lance is if Lance doesn't like something, you know, he'll he'll tell you what he doesn't like about it, and then he'll tell you how they could have done it better. You know what I'm saying? It's a good idea. Yeah. So that's what I'm going to do tonight. I'm going to tell you what I didn't like about it, but what they could have done to just make it better. So anyway, uh, Orange Cassidy won in at Beach Break because that's the name of his move, which he didn't use at the end. But anyway, he won, and so uh, the feud appears to be over for the time being. And listen, I don't know what they're going to do with this pay per view, but uh, and listen, I've I've thought I didn't like things before, and they've managed to make it work. But in no universe do I beat Adam Cole. Even in an uns- I know people go, that doesn't count on the record. He got beaten here. I don't do that if he's going to be facing the champion at the pay-per-view. Maybe he is. Maybe they have a way to rehab him or whatever. But, I mean, he was undefeated going into this. And, yes, technically he's still undefeated. But he's been beaten. And I wouldn't have done that if he's challenging Hangman for the title in uh, March, which is, uh, you know, five weeks away. But we'll see what they end up doing. But that was the match. Are you, uh, as far as you're not taking a victory lap for opening up the forbidden door and once again showing everybody that the path to AEW goes through Brian Alvarez, whether it be in the ring or on this very show? You know, I want to talk about Dan Housen after the break, but Maria's on. And plus, I'm just disgusted by this whole Oreo the Orca, you know, now all of a sudden he's his best friend. I know it. Back in a moment, Observer Live. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Back in the show, Brian Alvarez here, Wrestling Observer Live. Mike Sempervivi, also WrestlingObserver.com. Very happy today to be joined by Maria Canellis bennett here on the show, Ring of Honor. Maria, what's going on? Hi, how are you? Very good. So tonight at 7 Eastern, 4 Pacific, so not that far away, ROH's YouTube channel, there is a documentary on the Ring of Honor women's division I'm tolding it's going. Someone said it's going up uncut tonight, so I don't know what that means. Like, is there stuff that should be cut that isn't? But anyway, it's uncut tonight, so uh, you can check it out on the Ring of Honor YouTube channel. And uh, I guess we should start. Tell us a little bit about this documentary. The documentary is about the women's division tournament that we had this past year. Um, it was the bringing back of the women's division in Ring of Honor. And it was a really fantastic tournament. So many new women to wrestling, but also a ton of veterans as well. So it it turned out fantastic. I'm really proud of it. All of the women in it really um, gave their heart and soul to this tournament and also to the documentary. You know, I watched that whole tournament, and uh, I really enjoyed it. And I'm not just telling you that because you're on here. I, I raved about it at the time. And is it true that uh, did you book this or or how who was responsible for that? I, I'd heard that you had done it. 
I booked it. Um, yeah, I booked it alongside Bobby Cruz. So last year, um, or actually in 2020, Ring of Honor had contacted me about coming back. And um, I really wanted to come back to Ring of Honor, but I had one condition, and that was that I wanted to bring back the women's division. And they had the same thought. So it really worked out well, um, and they gave me full autonomy. I mean, I was able to do whatever I wanted, bring in whoever I wanted, and I really feel like uh, we had a great team. We weren't collecting talent. We were creating a team, and every single woman on this team really added so much. You know, it was, it was interesting when I watched it. You know, a lot of a lot of fans, you know, you get – Oh, I don't want to hear spoilers. I don't know. You know, they talk about this or that, and and uh, I, I mean, I I watched every every match in this tournament, and it was like the whole tournament. It was so obvious the way that it should be booked. I thought, and that was literally exactly how it ended up being booked. Because you watch the first round, and I just thought Roxy and Miranda Alize, they've got to be in the finals, and Roxy should win. That's <laughs> what I thought when I watched the first round of this tournament. And then there were other matches where it's like Quinn McKay has to beat Mandy Leon, and she did. And then like Marty Bell and Trisha Dora, like Trisha Dora, you know, she's got a ways to go. But I watched that match and I thought, you know, she shouldn't go to the finals of this tournament, but she deserves like a win in this tournament. And in fact, she got a win and then lost in the second round. And I just I thought that it was like so it was so well booked from beginning to end. It was like exactly the way I thought it should have gone. Did you have, I mean, I don't know what to ask you about the booking, but, I mean, presumably you thought the same thing because you booked it, but, I mean, that's just what I thought watching the whole tournament. Yeah, when we were putting this tournament together and putting the women's division back together, um, we only had four women that were veterans of Ring of Honor. So um, we had Sumi and we had Mandy and we had Angelina and we had Quinn. Um, and Vita had been there, but Vita hadn't had a match on television and we had Amy, but Amy hadn't been back wrestling yet. So, um, we didn't have a very big division. And so booking this tournament, we knew it was going to be a lot of women that were coming in from the outside. And the biggest thing was for us is research. I mean, I was constantly um, just, uh, like uh, combing through YouTube to find different women around the country that would fit with this tournament that had the Ring of Honor style or brought something special. So people like Max, um, who was starting to get a name for herself, but really I saw something special in her. And you know, people like Roxy, who I, I talked to Booker T not too long ago, and he just raved about her. Um, and Miranda Alize, who's just straight fire. I call her my spirit animal. Um, and, and Willow as well. I mean, Willow was one of those ones that uh, came a little bit later into the tournament, but she was really, you know, on the upsweep. And I thought she would add so much. And then someone like Trisha Dora, who is a technical wrestler, and I really feel like she's going to add so much to pure wrestling on the women's side, whether that's in Ring of Honor or just around the country, around the world. She definitely has a more technical side, and she's a former military veteran as well. Um, and I, I keep saying that this entire documentary, this is dedicated to her mother who recently passed from cancer. And when we were filming this documentary, Trisha just found out that her mom had cancer. 
So she really came into this tournament with a ton of emotion. Um, putting her alongside Marty was important to me because Marty has so much personality and is she'll talk throughout the entire match. She has a lot of spunk and she also has a ton of veteran talent. So putting her with someone like Trish, who was just starting to come out of her shell, was really important to me. But you'll find, especially in the first round of the tournament, that a lot of people were put with their counterparts, someone that I thought that they could emulate and learn a lot from. I mean, Sumi and Roxy, Sumi coming from that um, that background in Japan, um, and also you know having a little bit more technical side. And Brock needed the experience, and so that's what she was given in that first round. You look at someone like Willow and AK or AK and Trish, um, and those matchups were done intentional. I, I wanted them to be with somebody that had a ton of experience, but also someone that could mentor them along the way in the next few years. So, um, yeah, there, a lot of thought was gone into the booking. <laughs> you know, it's going to seem like kind of a weird comparison, but uh, when I was a kid, I watched uh, a lot of WWF, and uh, it's January now, and the Royal Rumble's coming up. And they would have these these uh, Mean Gene would have the he'd go through oh you know tugboat's going to be in the Royal Rumble this year they do all these video packages and get you excited about everything like that and nowadays it's like even though the Monday Night Wars have been over for twenty years it's like people are afraid to put a video package on television because they're afraid people are going to turn the channel but when mm-hmm. you guys were doing this tournament you mentioned Trisha Dora and I had no idea going to this tournament who Trisha Dora was. And yep. before her first match, there was a video package for Trisha Dora. And when it was over, that was like immediately, I was like, she's got to win a match in this tournament. Because you're just like so <laughs> behind her and you want to see her do well. And uh, were you responsible for uh, directing those video packages as well? Uh, was that also your doing? So um, for Ring of Honor, what they had done for the Pure Tournament is um, they had all these sit-down interviews. So I was involved with all of the um, finding past photos of the girls' families and putting that together. And um, my uh, editor and also videographer, Zane Decker, he put together these video packages. And um, while Zane was filming the girls, I sat alongside him and yeah, I'm I'm a person that doesn't believe what happens in the ring has anything to do with what happens in the ring. Um, I believe that there's a soul and there's um, a reason that these women are fighting. And so when I would sit there with Zane and we would be going through these sit-down interviews, I would touch on things that were happening in their family and just let them talk. They'll tell the story. They'll they'll tell you what you need to hear. They'll tell you why that they're fighting. Um, and, and they'll tell you their backstory. I mean, Miranda Alizé is another one. Um, she came from a bad neighborhood. She fought through so many different things. She fought through, you know, there being drugs around, there being alcohol around, there being all these things. And that's why she fights the way she does. And you see that throughout the entire tournament. But having that background story and being able to sit there with Zane and sit across from these women while they're giving their stories and just giving them little, little nuggets of things to go off of and cut a promo about it helps. Um, it adds to it. And when you're coming off of having no division and having to build an entire division, you need that backstory in order to build a division. And um, so, yes, I was involved with um, putting together of the packages, but I give all the credit to Zane Decker because he's a fantastic producer and editor. 
So much great talent on those shows. Nicole Savoy has been great with Shimmer for a long time. We got a chance for her to get broken back out on the national scene again. But two people I wanted to ask you about uh, specifically. One, Max the Impaler. Max is obviously for those who you know don't get a chance or didn't get a chance to see a lot of this tournament. You know, is a non-binary performer that was performing in the women's tournament. I'm I'm curious as to what it was like to present this to to them. What what they thought about it. What she thought about it. How how did that kind of come about? And was there any resistance from somebody who's non-binary to be put in a box when? you know, in the women's tournament, or did she, did they look at that? How is this looked at as far as, and how is it presented to them? It's just, it's a very interesting, it's a very interesting thing here to me. It is. Um, one of the things that I said to Max is, uh, it's a title. It's not a gender. The Women's World Championship is not, it's not a gender. It's a title. It's a, um, it's a nod to the history of women's wrestling, but that doesn't necessarily mean it has to be held by someone who identifies as a female. Um, so when uh, Max came into the company, I had uh, I had not chosen that first round of women um, that were brought in to do these uh, tryout matches. There was four women that were brought in in January. We actually started showing the footage um, in May, I believe. And those four were not chosen by me. They were chosen by um, uh, Jonathan Gresham and also by Hunter. And so uh, when I met the four of them, I was incredibly impressed by all of their talent. And I thought, why not? Um, Max has been great. I continue to ask them you know, am I doing it right? Am I, you know, am I presenting you the way that you want to be presented? Um, and, and Max has educated me all throughout the process. And I thought that they were a fantastic addition, especially because I go with the mantra of it's a title. It's not a gender. We got about two minutes here, but you mentioned the way that you uh, like to hear these women tell their stories. And uh, you started with WWE in, in 2004, 2005. And uh, that was very much the scripted era at that point, right? Mm hmm. Yeah. It so was. it's interesting because, like, a lot of people, it's what they learned, what they grew up with, so to speak, in the business is the way that now they think that's the way that it has to be done. And the way that you explained it is like the complete opposite of the way that you came up and learned. I mean, has it just been years of working outside WWE and seeing how effective it can be to just let people talk that you uh, <laughs> didn't go in there with the idea that I got to script this promo for Trisha Dora. I got to write some words for her to say. So I, I find it, um, I find it very interesting because, we are in such a social media era. We are in an era where you can watch a wrestling match from New York or Texas or any of these uh, bigger indie promotions um, anytime you want. So you're not necessarily following one product. You're following a person. And so if you want to tell the truth about a person, then you have to give their background. You have to figure out what they're fighting for. So it's just my approach, I think. And if I had to bet money, I think that this is the way that wrestling is going to go. 
Um, I think this documentary-style wrestling show is the wave of the future because you can play off of everything happening in their life. We didn't shy away from saying that the uh, that the Hex were NWA Tag Team Champions. We never shied away from that. We didn't shy away from saying that Maserati was an FSW champion. We didn't shy away from talking about Trisha's title or anybody else's titles in different promotions because it just adds to the relevance and the esteem of these individuals coming in, especially when you're putting them alongside someone like Sumi or Angelina Love, who's a seven-time world women's champion. So in order to give credibility, you have to highlight how long they've been in the industry and what kind of accolades that they've achieved. Um, and that was, you know, uh, it, it just was an obvious choice for me and for Bobby. But it, it's difficult for people. It's scary. Yes. Well, hold that thought. Sorry to cut you off. we got to go to break. Back in a moment, Observer Live. Back in the show, Brian Alvarez here, Wrestling Observer Live. Mike Sabravivi, also of WrestlingObserver.com. Maria Canales Bennett joining us here. Ring of Honor's YouTube channel tonight, 7 Eastern, 4 Pacific. ROH Women's Division, Women's Tournament Documentary. And Maria, I want to give you a chance here to uh, to plug it, your social media, anything else big coming up. The floor is yours. Well, thank you so much for having me. And if you are a wrestling fan or if you are a wrestling fan with a significant other that is not a wrestling fan, this really gives you an insight to what goes into becoming a pro- professional wrestler. Um, this is the heart and soul of women's wrestling. It's where we want to go. It's where we've been. And I'm incredibly proud of everyone that was involved with this project, from Hunter to um, Brandon Bishop, who was the videographer, to Zane Decker, who was our editor on it, to Bobby Cruz, who was my partner in crime all last year, to Mark Davis, to Mark Brown, to the entire Ring of Honor production. I want to say thank you, and of course to Joe Koff. Um, we we had a fantastic time doing this um, documentary. We had a great division last year, and all of the girls have been incredibly successful moving forward. So I can't wait to see where everyone goes. Um, if you want to follow me on socials, on Twitter, I'm Maria L. Canellis. On Instagram, I'm Maria Canellis. Um, I do have a Facebook page, Official Maria Canellis, and then I have an exclusive content page, which is MariaCanellisWorld.com. All right. Well, thanks so much. We are out of time. We'll talk to you next time, everybody. Observer Live. You have been listening to the Wrestling Observer Daily Podcast on the 8Side Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.